We thank you for the sounds that we've just heard. And keep our hearts in tune with you, with all that you have to offer. We thank you this morning for taking us to the well, where we can look deeply into your love and quiet our spirits. We thank you for feeding us from your own table. And now, God, I pray that you would challenge us with your word. Amen. My prayer for all of us during this season is that the holy days would be real for us, that it wouldn't be just holidays. We've talked about some tools to make this season different, the first one being risky change, choosing to do the holidays different so they become holy days. We've talked about the tool of really giving, giving of our full selves and our lives. Today I want to offer another tool, the tool of grace. That grace is described in our scripture today from Hebrews. And let's talk about what's going on here. What's going on here is that Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has offered himself in full intimacy with people. Jesus has called the church to a life of fullness and intimacy. But like us, that early church has a tendency to go back to old habits. Change is not easy, and it was true then. And the old habits they were going back to were the exact habits that had separated God and people for centuries. God wanted to offer relationship and grace and connection and intimacy and life. But instead, people were going back to their old habits that actually created separation between them and God. God has all along wanted to relate to people. And going back to the Hebrew scriptures, that was God's intent from the beginning. But people have a tendency to view God through their own lens. And so since we as people tend to be judgmental and envious and jealous, since we as people tend to like to be appeased when we're ticked off, we assume that God's the same way. So those early people came up with some ideas of how they should relate to God. And the ideas they came up with were their own ideas. They figured that God needed to be appeased and so they needed to come up with sacrifices. So they started killing animals and then burning those animals on an altar. Then they thought, to really relate to God, we need to to have some rules and ideas about what that might look like. So they came up with rules and rules and rules and over the centuries they were killing more animals and coming up with more rules trying to relate to God. All along, God was just saying, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. And what are you doing? You're blowing smoke and making lists. (laughs) 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 And so, God said, how am I gonna ever get across that I don't want smoke, I don't want lists, I don't want rules and regulations, I want relationship, I want partnership, I don't want parameters, I want life. How am I going to get that across? That's when God said, the only way I know to get it across is to become more real than I've ever become before. So I'm going to go there myself in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus came. And what Jesus walked into was a church that was still 
creating these distances between God through sacrifice and through rules. In fact, they turned it into a marketing event. They, they, they commercialized the whole thing. And that's why Jesus got ticked off when he went to church and saw them actually selling animals, making profits for animals to try to please God. I mean, how do people think that was going to please God? <laughs> Not only are they killing animals, they're making money on it. Do <laughs> you ever wonder what God's thinking? I think God was probably thinking, okay, where did these people get the idea that, that I want them killing and burning animals? I mean, I created animals. I like animals. <laughs> Why are y'all doing this? <laughs> How can I get it across that I just want to relate to you? So Jesus comes and, and lived that love and lived it in a radical and powerful way. Jesus came and, and said, my creator is in me and I'm in my creator. We are one, we're together. And, and you can be together with us through this relationship. There is no distance. God's love is unconditional. And how can I make that more real than to share your conditions? So that's what Jesus did. He came to live that unconditional love by sharing our conditions. Those conditions happened to get him killed and crucified. But he was willing to go that far. To get right there with us. Once and for all, Jesus was making a stand for God. That's grace, saying I have enough compassion for you and enough care for you that I'm going to get right in there with you, whatever that looks like. And yes, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a real mess. Everyone had become so distanced from God and from each other and from the holy. And Jesus bridged all that. Now this sounds great. <laughs> Except the church took this opportunity and started going backwards again. Saying, we believe in Jesus, but maybe just to be sure, we, we, we better start sacrificing animals again. That way we'll make sure we're covered. And just to make sure that this grace is real, let, let's, let's make sure we've, we, we've got a list of rules and regulations. So what happened, the very thing that Jesus came to change, they were going back to. So the whole book of Hebrews is about getting back to who Jesus really is, that relationship, that intimacy. And what God is saying, and you can see it there in your scriptures, I don't want your sacrifice, I don't want your rules and lists and regulations, I want you. I don't want laws written on a book somewhere, I want those laws to be written in your heart and in your lives. I want it written right there in you. And what is that law? Jesus said it himself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the law had become love. I mean, how amazing is that? All the law, all the sacrifice was turned into love by Jesus. Law was redefined. And it became something not written in a book, but something on the heart. And again, God says, I don't want you blowing smoke and making lists. 
And amazingly enough, <laughs> we still have that issue. Somehow we feel that the love of Jesus isn't enough. So we decide what other people should look like and we decide what church should look like and how people should act. And we blow smoke. <laughs> and God says, I don't want that. I've given you grace. So my prayer for us this holy season is that we would get right down to the true law, the law of love. That the grace that Jesus came to offer would be full in our lives. That's why this tool is full grace. That early church thought that grace wasn't complete. So they took Jesus and then they added all the old laws and all the old sacrifices back. Jesus was enough. (laughs) That love was enough. God's love was enough. So how do we separate this grace? How does it become full? First of all, it becomes full through a total awareness of the depth of this connection. The fact that nothing can separate us from God's love. And there's a wonderful, wonderful scripture in Romans that's powerful and talks about the fullness of this amazing love, a love that goes beyond blowing smoke and making lists. This is from Romans 8, 31 through 39. If God is for us, who can be against us? Since God did not spare the only begotten, but gave Christ up for the sake of us all, we may be certain after such a gift that God will freely give us everything. Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? Since God is the one who justifies, who has the power to condemn? Only Christ Jesus who died, or rather was raised, and sits at the right hand of God and who now intercedes for us. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble? Calamity? Persecution? Hunger? Nakedness? danger, violence. Yet in all this, we are more than conquerors because of God who has loved us. For I am certain that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, neither heights nor depths nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that comes to us through Christ Jesus our Savior. I listen to that scripture and the first thing I think is the audacity. The audacity of people who would put stipulations and walls and barriers between us and God. The people who would say, you have to do it exactly this way and say these words and exactly this way in order to be saved. The people who would say, it's not real unless you've knelt down to do it. Or the people who would say, it's not really real if you've not cried enough. Or it's not real if it's not emotional enough. The audacity. This scripture is so clear. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that includes our ideas of what that might look like. (laughs) How arrogant of us. To think that God has to do it our way. (laughs) Love. Love. What's really sad is that in some churches, 
Jesus has even become a barrier to love because Jesus has been legalized. People want to hear how many times Jesus' name has been used, like there's some checklist out there in the pews. Jesus just says, love me, let me love you. You can't itemize love, you can't legislate it. In the deepest sense, you can't even truly theologize it. You keep trying to theologize it when I'm trying to call you to personalize it. Just love. That's full grace. That's full grace. In fact, this, this grace is so full that it, it goes deeper even than that, than that scripture. That, that real desire is for it's not just to be connected to God but to have an intimacy with God that goes even before our first thoughts. An intimacy that, that, that is so real that each one of us knows that God has a song for us. If we get quiet, we'll hear that song. God doesn't just want to be connected. God wants to be intimate. <laughs> intimate. There is a personal song that God has for each one of us. We need to hear that song. There is a tribe in East Africa in which the art of true intimacy is fostered even before birth. In this tribe, the birth date of a child is not counted from the day of its physical birth, nor even the day of conception, as in other village cultures. For this tribe, the birthday comes the first time the child of child is thought of in its mother's mind aware of her intention to conceive a child the mother then goes off and sits alone under a tree there she sits and listens until she can hear the song of the child she hopes to conceive once she has heard it she returns to the village and she teaches it to the father so that they can sing it together as they make love, inviting the child to join them. After the child is conceived, she sings it in her baby, to her baby in her womb. Then she teaches it to the old women and midwives of that village so that throughout the labor and the miraculous moment of birth itself, the child is greeted with its song. After the birth, all of the villages, villagers learn the song of their new member and they sing it to the child when it falls or hurts itself. It is sung in times of triumph or in rituals or in initiations. This song even becomes part of the marriage ceremony when the child is grown and at the end of life, his or her loved ones will gather around the deathbed and sing this song for the last time. Imagine that. God has a song for us that was written even before we were thought of. Before you were given a name on earth, God had already given you a name in heaven. That name is beloved. God simply wants to be connected and intimate with us. It's not half grace. It's full grace. 
And my prayer for us is that we would recognize that grace this season like we've never recognized it before. That when the holidays become hectic days, when we're, when we're standing in that long line with that irritated sales clerk, and we've run our credit card over the limit, and we're about to fall apart, that somehow in that moment, we would recognize full grace and intimacy and connection. And remember again what it's all about. That in that moment, we would take Jesus back from those who would regulate him and idealize him and make it personal and real. That we would recognize grace and recognize love and recognize Jesus and experience intimacy. And how do we recognize grace? It goes something like this. It takes you by surprise. It comes in odd packages. It sometimes looks like loss or mistakes. It acts like rain or like a seed. It's both reliable and unpredictable. It's not what you're aiming at or what you thought you deserved, but it supplies what you need, not necessarily what you want. It grows you up and lets you be a child. It reminds you you're not in control and that not being in control is a form of freedom. Enough said. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. Oh God, help these holidays to become holy days. Give us ideas about how to do it differently so that indeed that happens. And help us to give gifts that really matter, gifts of ourselves. And then help us to simply breathe in and experience that intimacy and that grace every moment, even those most hectic moments. And God, through your grace, forgive us. Forgive us for all the times that we try to make Jesus like us rather than us becoming like Jesus. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this, your church, and may we never blow smoke or just make this. And Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world and heal it.